0: and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice. Dark Dice
0: tabletop role-playing games
2: and today we are talking about our personal gm tips and tricks hey brian hey will hey jordan (laughs) (laughs) hello hi
0: jordan
3: thanks for coming on the show jordan (laughs) yeah thanks for having me this is a lot of fun so
0: I'm, i'm to understand that the ph is silent
3: Yes, uh hello everybody, I'm Jordan, the Ph is silent. So it's J O R P H D A N, but don't say it. It's just hidden in there. Secret.
2: Indeed, indeed. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited to to have a another a a third GM on to talk about their tips and tricks. This is actually a patron voted episode. So every month our patrons get together and they vote what they want us to talk about. And this is what they chose. They want to know our personal DM tips and tricks.
0: Yeah, we've got a slew of them here to talk about. We do, we do. Um how should we start? What do you think we should start um, with?
2: You know, I was the one of the three of us who decided to come up with a bullet point list, so let's start with one of my bullet points. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, GM tips and tricks. Uh, when when the patrons voted for this, I I thought about, okay, what are the things that I do that I don't see a lot of other GMs do? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And the number one thing that came to mind, I'm sure you, Brian, can probably guess what it's going to be. It's something that I... Uh, picked up back in my fourth edition days and i've carried with me to this day and i i i hold this concept almost sacred because i I feel like it's (laughs) so so effective and that is the concept of the skill challenge as an alternative to a combat encounter Mm -hmm. so jordan are you are you familiar with 4e and skill challenges or any of that
3: yeah, I, I actually, well, I started on second edition, but it was only like a, a two-week game. And oh, then when that fizzled apart, I was like, oh, I should keep playing. Oh, there's like a fourth edition? Well, I should try that then. <laughs> so I ran fourth edition for like a year and a half or two years. Okay, um, so you're welcome. And I love skill challenges. I think they're great. And I have yes. like my own modified rules for them and stuff, but it's a great way to keep the Sorry, I got a crying kid in the back. No, it's okay. It's okay totally we, okay. It's, it's it. a great way of keeping uh, that tension going, but you want to like get past the scenario, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to want to I don't want to wrap this up as fast as possible. Like and you arrive there, but like oh, we can make it a fun skill challenge and see how well you arrive there or
2: something. That, yeah, That's exactly true. right. So, one of the cool things I've found useful for skill challenges is having a sequence that is action oriented. That could get a little bit more cinematic via like, well, what do you do? You get to do a cool thing, you know, we'll 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 tie it to a skill check, but tell me tell me what your character does and make it cool. And it becomes like this collaborative cinematic scene. And by the end, whether there's been success or failure, because failure can happen, um, you know, it, it ends up being this really memorable event that happened in a in a game session. Yeah. I... Um, I, I-
0: so that's what I wanted to, to talk about was like when you're developing your skill challenges, there's a contingent for successes versus yeah. failures for when the challenge ends.
2: Yeah. So mechanically, let me explain that. Yeah. yeah. So the way that a skill challenge would traditionally work is that you roll initiative like normal. And on the on the jam side of things, what you are doing here is you want to set what is the end goal? Like what is the success um, term not, not term. What's the word I'm looking for?
0: Um, I think terms is good. Like, yeah, yeah.
2: What are the success terms yeah. for this encounter? Um, and then what you then do is you decide like, okay, how difficult will it be for the players to to reach this success uh, state? And then what you do is you you add a certain amount of successes versus failures. Traditionally, you want three failures versus five successes or three failures versus seven, depending on how difficult the task is they're trying to do here. Um, I tend to like to do it for chases, right? So yeah, let's a, say, you know, like, oh, you Super Quest Saga is another example. You guys were running from the Dreadstar Gang in the sewers of the city, right? Yeah. And the goal for that one was simple. Get away. Right, I think I made that one a fairly simple one. It was five successes versus three failures. Spoiler: they failed. Um, But
0: it's very easy to fail them when you set, you know, five to three, you know, versus three to three, or you know, vice versa. Yeah,
2: and uh, when when I say successes or failures, what I mean here is uh, on each player's turn, they will decide what they want to do with their turn, and then we will collaboratively decide uh, what skill. Uh, They can roll that will represent that thing they're trying to do. I'll set a DC, and they'll either succeed or they fail. If they fail three times before they succeed five, in this case, um, then the... The uh, skill challenge is failed, and there are repercussions for that. oftentimes a lot of a lot of times for me, then it turns into a, co- a combat situation because in the chase, you guys didn't get away, so now you're fighting.
0: right. yeah, and a success would mean we avoid the combat, we make it to our destination safely here, et cetera. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, that's like a real simplified. Uh, take on the skill challenge again um kind of like what you said jordan is it's a nice way to have an action pack scene that goes a lot faster than a combat traditionally does you know a combat can run from 30 minutes to 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 an hour while a skill challenge you might get done in 15 20 minutes so
3: oh not even that i've well sometimes i've had them like really fast but yeah, I'm yeah curious, are there I any the are there any like custom rules that you have at your table for skill challenges like I,
2: I do. So I do the Chris Perkins special which is you're <laughs> you're not allowed to roll like uh players cannot roll the same skill in succession. And so if if player 1 does something and it's an athletics check, player 2 has to do something different that is not an athletics check. And this this is going to add a variety to the skill challenge and help people like choose choose skills that maybe they wouldn't necessarily uh like uh like be their first pick but something that they're they are still good at um and then to add on to that i also don't allow players to if you did athletics on your first turn when your second turn comes around you got to do something different again this adds to the variety of those kind of things that are happening yeah, in players the event. have
0: to dig to get creative with it yeah when i noticed like one of the things some players struggle with that build like tankier builds shout out to josh freeland but <laughs> You know he's strong, so he wants to do the strong thing every turn, yeah. and he doesn't have many other skills in his tree to lean on in that situation that are going to help gain a success. So Freeland fails a lot in the skill challenge That's because true. he has to go from I run fast to I don't know I try to like fashion a rope to like blah 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 and do a yeah. Dex thing, and then it's like
3: uh oh yeah so it,
2: it can it can lead to that, but I I like the creativity that it mm-hmm. leads to.
3: Yeah, it, it you get a lot of uh, perception rolls. Like I look around for help. Like, so, okay so, i feel like that's a problem i have with that, skill challenge that, so, that, like... that is a problem i have too
2: that is a problem i have too and what i say to that usually is like okay i will allow you to do this once during the event of like uh do do an action that is passive but for the most part you, you have to take actions that that actually help you like move forward with the progression of the skill challenge um so like the perception checks hard because there's like, it's like made, maybe you see something, but yeah. you probably don't.
3: It's like, I, I usually for force sh- them to be creative in what do you see? And then there uh, we go. I like that. What do you see? And sometimes they'll like, so I, I wrote an adventure it's on the DM scale a while back. And it starts with kobolds setting fire to the town that the players are in. And Mm -hmm. so the, and then it instigates a skill challenge because I thought there'd be a fun one. Like you could attack the kobolds, but the city's going to burn. Like, that's the bigger one. How do you put out the fires in the city? Right. And so usually it's like, oh, I want to roll perception. And I'm like, okay, if you succeed, what do you find? And they're like, uh, I find a well. And it's like, okay. So you roll perception and it's like, oh, you failed. That well is dry. You know, so you can make it like not work how they want. Sometimes they can get stuck in a, in a bad loop where they're just like, we don't know stuff like help you and that's the GM's job you like jump in and help out
2: but. right totally no that's a, that's a really good idea I, I'm going to use that for perception stuff What but I I've, like
3: players oh, to jump in and help build the town with me or the scene yeah you know? like, exactly okay you're in the sewer like what do you see well, I don't know like <laughs> there's slime growing on the side of the wall you're right that's a gelatinous cube you could lure it out <laughs>
0: there we go I like that too yeah I like that approach a lot like that was going to be one of my if I had a bullet point to write down in this episode it would be leave blank space for your players to come in and help you out.
2: No, that's, that's a really good point. You it, definitely it, want to leave blank space. Yeah,
0: like, let, let everybody create. I really like that a lot, mm-hmm. Jordan. Was, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. I find that, like, my last skill challenge I ran was a chase scene, and there were wagons full of, you know, the goods or whatever, magic items and stuff. They're trying to keep safe, and they, they're ambushed on the side of the road, right? So now they're trying to get away. A bunch of harpies came in, attacked the squad, split everybody up, and my players grabbed the most expensive stuff and started running, so what are you going to do to make everybody go faster? Like you have oxen up front and stuff pulling mm-hmm. and like with a perception check, it's like, okay, is there a shortcut? Like maybe you see a shortcut or maybe you see okay. an obstacle. You could like <clears throat> knock down a tree on your way or something like that, or start a fire or yeah. like, you know, give them a clue as to what you might be able to do next time. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm gonna wall that off as an option moving forward, like you're saying. Like, yeah, it's you like get you, one you, get one, you get one. You
2: get one of the passive, more passive ones, and then it's like, all right, this is an action scene. Let's let's take action. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I had a lot, lot of
3: players I- that like, some, you know, we always have players that are like super creative and ones that aren't. And so, mm, mm-hmm. uh, I like what you're saying. Like the, you know, you get one perception. But another thing that I do with skill checks is uh, occasionally I'll have players that are like, I just don't know what to do, and I'm like, well, you can help the next person and give them yeah. advantage. And that's a nice one to be like, oh, okay, like I just got nothing right now. I want to keep the game moving rather than like halt it. But
0: do you you count that as a pass or a fail or do they have to roll or I I would imagine that just
2: that's just just kind of a turn. Yeah, uh, Yeah,
3: you skip, but you're giving the next person advantage on their role for whatever creative idea they have. And then we work it into the story where they're like, oh, yeah, I like I don't know. Like the other person's trying to cast a spell, so I keep the goblins off of the cart while he's able to cast the spell, and then he was successfully able to do. Yeah, some no, that check to have something cool happen to make that, the ox fly. I don't
2: know. No, yeah, that's that's an excellent idea. I've see I've ran into that uh more in like uh, oh i cast guidance i'm like okay well i'm not just going to count that as a success because obviously you're going to succeed at the spell so that's just you helping the next person so yeah yeah Yeah, it's hard with
3: magic because your spellcasters will look at their spell sheets
2: and be like well what can i use because that's what they're used to
3: doing yeah you have to get them to think like well that could be an arcana check but exactly yes
2: that's how i do that yeah i
3: think with spell attacks
0: particularly as well i think we just use set a dc for like uh you know, a fireball or something like that.
2: Yeah, I'll set the DC. I'll either base it off your... If if the spell has an attack roll, if it's a, a attack spell, I'll just let you roll that with a DC I set. Uh, uh, if, it's, if it's more of a, a save needs to be made, I, I'll, I'll have an Arcana check be rolled.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny how, like, you can... Like... You're doing a skill challenge, right? But I'm going to use a resource to cast a spell and then I still have to pass the skill challenge. It's like the opposite of... I pass my turn to give advantage to this guy. That's almost like a freebie, sort of, in a way. And then, like, casting a spell is not as good in the skill challenge, I feel like. There's more room for, like, punishment there.
2: I I would say that the room for punishment is that you burn the resources versus you could have just rolled a skill check. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, But,
0: like, when you're the wizard and you're, like, casting to solve problems constantly... That's in character to, yeah. like, I'm going to cast here. Yeah,
2: that's know? where that's where the the role-playing part needs to overcome the the metagaming part. Yeah, like, I'm not just going to, like, try to run
0: it. faster. I'm going to try to slow them down with magic. Right. Like, I have this in my kit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting.
2: Okay. Well, okay, I'm glad that we're all fans of the skill challenge. That's <laughs> yeah, always it's, cool. It's a
0: lot of fun. If I you guys that. haven't run a skill challenge, please, like, put one in. Set the parameters for successes versus failures. It, it Like, the total number of checks required can, like,
3: be the length of the how long you think the skill should be you know skill yeah. down should
2: be yeah absolutely um, so
3: it's interesting I always do half and half so I'll do you need eight successes and before four failures because nice. usually that's players good. are good at stuff and I guess it kind of depends where you set the DC because that's not difficult if you set the DC at like 10 which I wouldn't advise but no, no. Um, but I like that because it usually means everybody at the table gets a chance to do something before the skill challenge ends
2: yeah um, no absolutely but then
3: I also have 20s are, natural 20s are two successes and natural ones are two failures. That's cool. And that's like, uh, like death um, saves, but we had a lot of people cool. die or a lot of failure with that. So we ended up doing like inspiration. You could use inspiration to re-roll uh, natural ones and stuff if you wanted to. It was Yeah, that's right. It evolved a lot as we were playing fifth edition and <laughs> trying to like figure out skill challenges because in fourth edition, they're so codified into the system they
2: are they really are yeah
0: yeah there's a there's a few balance issues with skill challenges depending on how you run them in 5e for sure yeah
2: you know speaking of uh fourth edition i do have one more fourth edition thing on here it's another mechanical thing that i i bring over from from the old edition and that's the concept of enemies that uh are minions basically minions are these one hit kill guys um, they usually do a flat or low amount of damage, and it's it's basically a way for you to throw a horde of enemies at your party without them actually being overwhelmed and wiped out. Yeah. So I don't know. You have you used minions? Kind of. Yeah. In um yes,
0: I have in a way. In Five E yes. though, we um we have a superhero game. Mm-hmm. It's currently running on another feed called Flashman and the Surgeon. It's mm-hmm. like Batman style. Um, you know, one shot adventures all strung together, but. When there's a crowd of bad guys, like, you know, Batman is going to go stop a bank robbery, but there's, like, ten dudes in there. Mm-hmm. That can be, like, I have problems with combat, especially recording for shows on in 5e, how long and kind of boring it can be at times. Mm-hmm. And I think Minions is a lot of fun because... That all they have to do is roll to beat their DC, and mm-hmm. the DC is going to be kind of low. And as soon as they get the hit right, they just the bad they guy drop. like explodes yeah, right, yeah, just sure. like how Batman's one shotting people, yeah, like in in the <laughs> bank, right. So, uh, but with ten of them, they're going to take some damage. You know, they're going to get mobbed and get hit a couple of times, and then they're going to be able to really show off their combat style, right? And there's it, it breeds like this. It, it basically sets up this floor for them to just put flavor down and like yeah, really yeah. spice it up so yeah, it, it makes it really cinematic and I, I like it a lot it's almost every time there's a mob in that particular game that it's set for them to win so basically there's just an hp punishment going on
2: right exactly they're gonna lose some hp along the way right um, yeah but yeah I i like you said it's a superhero game so for me that's it's a great way to let the players like really shine and feel powerful and also i like to reward so i've run a, i've run 5e for a long time and you always want to be careful about putting too many enemies in the fight because you know action economy is so powerful in 5e that i feel like aoe does not shine the way it did in fourth edition or previous editions in 5e and minions are a way to make aoe spells like really feel great oh yeah like you That's throw true. that fireball and like seven dudes got incinerated evaporate mm-hmm. yeah so i like using minions i understand that it might not be forever game but it is a very useful tool that i like to to utilize
3: for certain situations like yeah. i had a, a zombie pharaoh and uh my players were in camps in the desert and I, and then the the, the uh, cleric was like, "Well, do I sense any undead?" I'm like, "You do." And they looked out the window, and then I dumped uh, pennies all over the table, and we every every penny was a zombie, and they were oh, like, no. "What?" <laughs> and so that was like they were all minions, and we kept having these jokes that like zombie Abraham Lincoln was coming out to attack people <laughs> because he's on the penny, and uh, but it was so fun because it was both an encounter and a puzzle. And my cleric still talks about that because the goal was, you know, you have these, like, I think we had a fighter and a barbarian and they could do like attack, attack, but they need the AOE. So I'm like, yeah, you took out two of them, but there's still like thousands more. And so then the barbarian was like holding the cleric on his shoulders and running through them so go. that her uh, turn on dead could have the widest radius That's possible. Cool. That's and amazing. it was amazing awesome like she still talks about that she's like it was so cool and i killed so many zombies yeah. and it's like they're just one hit things but like it can really empower a player and especially a player like a cleric that might not get like those really epic kills they're like oh i'm finally useful with this weird turn undead ability i've never used
2: right definitely definitely yeah
3: i
0: always found that you if you have turn undead in the party and like you need to go out of your way a little bit to make it happen if it wasn't already going yeah. to so mm-hmm. yeah that, that's that's sounds super awesome uh another cool thing about minions is they they can uh give you like an idea of how powerful the bbeg truly is right because i'm i'm just exploding as minions but then they're that's just a distraction so they can like walk away all epic but when you go to fight a boss or like a big crony or whatever like oh this guy's stronger it's gonna take a few hits to take him down at least and they're gonna put out damage or like have like a legendary action style so it's a cool way to set up like how exactly powerful the bad guy is in that game it's a, a good tool for that
2: yeah definitely i think that's definitely true for sure <clears throat> all right guys we can keep going down my bullet list but does does anyone have anything that they want to bring to the table here or well
3: i wanted to ask how many games do you guys run right now like so you run one a week or are you playing mostly
2: I am running right now I'm currently running a monthly Pathfinder 2nd Edition game. Nice. Um and we are getting ready to do a show where we're running a bunch of different stuff. I'm going to run some DCC for these guys. Um but that's that's all I got going on right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was writing a campaign for 5e and um and I still I still wars am, happened. but then the OGL wars, they came yeah. and they took <laughs> they took the wind out of my sails on it cuz I I was really writing for 5e. I was trying to adapt For a different system like we've been looking at Cypher and Numenera and and all that stuff we've been looking at dungeon crawl classics. And uh, I think we're just going to take a little bit of a break from that like that campaign is not dead it's just on the back burner while I get my life together, (laughs) like on that front, (laughs) and stop being sad about the OGL stuff but um, I did, I, I mean, I'm running a home game. That's fun. We're still doing Five E, you know. Those guys all know Five E, so we're just gonna play Five E, and so we do that once every two weeks, and then we're start, we're gonna start running one pagers every week. Pretty much, it sounds like. Yeah,
2: we gotta. I'm actually really excited for the next one we have. It's called Goblin Punks, where you just run a bunch of like hoodlum goblin teenagers <laughs> and go yeah. mix up trouble. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> what about you, Jordan? Are you running a lot of games?
3: Uh, I, well, I I I think back in my heyday before my my kid was born, I was running a lot of games. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And but it's now that I think about it, I am still running quite a bit. But I run a uh, every two weeks, we play Dungeon Crawl Classics. And that's a home game at my table with with local friends. And we're doing long form dungeon crawl classic so it's not like one shots because i think dcc is really good for one shots where it's like you play and then you move on Mm -hmm. but we did a funnel and everybody who survived the funnel went on to play in a game and then uh they're now level five and we're we're playing through the module peril of the purple planet which was like a big box set that dcc came out with um where you're on this like harsh alien planet that has a big purple sun in the sky that kills everything except mushrooms they can grow like crazy so there's like these overabundance of mushrooms and sandworms and stuff uh and it's been epic it's been super fun that's super and then cool. i run uh i run a, a dc or a dungeon crawl uh, sorry D D 5e game um on youtube we stream it uh nerd immersions channel and that's um a 2e module called the great modron march that i'm adapting to 5e how cool that's i've really seen fun. that
2: that's super so. cool um, they by just the way, wanted
3: to like, we played a game a long time ago, and then all the players were like, We still like those characters. Can like, they kind of twisted my arm to like run something else. I'm like, Well, I like this Motron game. They're like, Done, we'll play. Okay, cool. It's so, oh, yeah, and so that's fun. awesome.
2: Uh, so Brian, because I know you're not that familiar with DCC, level five is pretty big deal because uh, that game only goes up to level 10.
0: Yeah, yeah. you were kind of telling me how how the scale like basically you play at level zero, right? Well, you start
2: at true. level zero and like usually what's called a funnel, but um, but basically if you double the level of the DCC character, that's kind of where they would sit in D&D 5e. So that's, he's essentially playing at like the level 10 level Got it. of 5e. Yeah, so. oh, wow.
3: yeah that's, that's pretty Yeah, big. they just yeah. kind of like shrunk the, like, yeah, you don't need 20 levels because yeah. you, you're like, I either get something at level two and then level three, but if you shrink it, you're like, I get both of those things at level two. And that's kind of <laughs> yeah. what DCC did. They're like, and high level play, like you can still have really awesome high level play, but it's just level nine or level eight.
2: You, don't, you yeah. don't necessarily
3: need 20 levels. but Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I think 4th like edition that. went to like 40 levels. They were like, um, people like leveling, right? And it it, was, was, like, it yeah. was 30
2: technically, and then there were okay, rules yeah. to extend that to 40 if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah,
3: and Josh. I don't think I ever got higher than like yeah. 17 or something that, with that. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, there are a lot of things I, I, I tout about 4E. I like 4E for a lot of things. That is not one of them. Going to level 30, there's no reason to go that high.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talk about it in 5E, how we only go so far in most of our 5e campaigns you know level 15 is probably like a softer level cap realistically um that's usually where our space opera game that we finished we 15 uh, yeah yeah, we went up to 15 and i was fucking strong oh yeah you guys are ridiculous we were dumb strong so i didn't really feel that like it would be cool to go to level 20 but story-wise like for what we were doing there yeah like it's hard you're basically you know gods you know superheroes at Beyond at that the, point yeah, yeah. and then oh. going up to level 20 is just like yeah now that guy can just like fly
2: at will whatever <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah everyone could fly humble uh, beginnings right yeah yeah um okay so i have another another uh, tip or trick here i think this this could be called a tip the other two were tricks um i when i write my stories for for any of the games i'm running the overarching you know uh narrative if you will I always plan from the very beginning to do this one thing and that's this concept of giving the character something that they something to quote unquote love and then in the story taking that thing away from them mm-hmm. uh, whether it's an NPC like a beloved NPC or a beloved place where they're they're set up and they've established Not themselves Not the
3: goblin what are you doing <laughs> Yeah <My> favorite exactly. <laughs> Basically it's it's we it's just a a
2: great punch in the gut to give your players that gets them all united over one thing real quick mm-hmm. and uh so i think it's a very useful narrative tool um you can do this more towards the beginning if you want i do tend to do it around the midpoint of my my conceived campaign um i won't give the big spoiler for super quest saga because we all know everyone who's watched that knows what the big punch of the gut is mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know how do you guys feel about this do you guys utilize this concept in your games games
3: i've done it a couple times uh notably i think i think i watched the first john wick movie that came out and then Mm -hmm. later in my game uh my wife had a corgi puppy a fake corgi like ran around and i had the the evil guy kidnap that and boy that was the (laughs) quickest way to rally everyone at the table they're like we're saving the dog (laughs) yeah absolutely
2: absolutely
3: we oh, will great. go to hell and back for that dog. <laughs> so they all like jumped in and they, yeah. And I'm like, you got, got, and they saved him. I gave it to him. I was like, you yeah. can have the dog back. And they're like, that's right. Because <laughs> I think it was after that, my wife said, you can kill my character, but if anything ever happens to that dog, like we got to have a serious talk about our lives. <laughs> okay. Absolutely.
2: Uh, that's too so, it, that's it can great. be good,
3: especially when, you know, I don't think you necessarily need to kill them all the time, but if you need to rally people together, it's like, yeah, like yeah, they kidnapped yeah, so-and-sos, you know, or like your grandmother, and you're like, what? <laughs> <That> grandma. <laughs> grandma. He, he gave us... Nana, give us all the good cookies. We got to go yeah. save her. Yeah.
2: And, you know, I do. I do specifically. I have a written out is give them something they love and take it away. I don't necessarily mean kill it, yeah. although oftentimes I do kill it. But that's, <laughs> that's a
0: personal choice. I mean, when you're taking stuff away. Yeah. The, uh, for my for my campaign ender ideas, like I haven't had a chance to do that one just mm-hmm, yet. Mm-hmm. But I really like this last approach I took was to have an end scene in mind. This really epic thing. Where I know which pieces I want to show up at the end, right? And Mm. be part of the scene. Uh, and trying to like string it together along the way. Like, can I can I get there? How different will it be when I get there? Yeah. But it gives me like I know what I want at the end, or at least for a climactic scene, right? And then I just try to like, you know, lay down bricks or lay down track to see if I can get there or not. Yeah. I do
2: a very similar thing there yeah, that speaks to me. That's, that's definitely what I do is I have this grand epic concept of a scene at the end that I try and build towards.
0: Yeah. And that, yeah. I, I found that to be a really good driver to motivate me to write. Um, And that was part, you know, that's part of it. You've got to keep yourself motivated Um, to and, and inspired. And that this epic scene I have in my head is what's going to do it. It's like, okay, what is the next step? We've done X and Y so far. What can I do to further my agenda here to get to this? But like also since there's we're doing it as we go, I let the players jump in and sort of take take the wheel in certain points. It's like, oh, that's a really cool idea. Like I can use this as a another piece of track to lay down. And so it really does feel like we are getting there together. Yeah. Although I'm the only one who knows what we're driving toward that's at true. the
3: time. <laughs> um, do you yeah. have an end point in mind when you're writing your campaigns, like a, like big time, and then and then you can get there many different ways, kind of a thing. Is that how you operate?
0: Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. Pretty much is like I want to do this this epic ending scene. I know exactly what it's gonna like. What my cinematic is gonna be when I explain it. It's just a matter of like. How can I get us all to that? So basically, there's a clock running down, um, and I can adjust you know the when the clock runs to zero if I need to. but um getting getting there means that the clock will be at zero, and that's when this scene is gonna happen. So yeah, just getting everybody on board uh, a piece at a time to get to this that one epic finale scene. and what that scene's gonna mean to me when we get there might change because of things that <coughs> happened along the way. But yeah, I still yeah. want to do it because yeah. it's going to like look yeah. very cool, you know, so that that was that was that's been it. for And me I bought for a while. this huge mini in this dungeon. <laughs> I have to use it. Yeah, like, exactly. Absolutely. That's <laughs> it. The Tiamat mini is going to get one
3: use, but I'm gonna it. it's going to be so good. I'm going to lower it down from the ceiling on a string. <laughs> every, every <laughs> yeah, what's that box hovering in the ceiling? Oh, nothing no. Stop asking questions. Yeah. Yeah, you got, it's been up there for like a year, man. You ever going to
0: tell us what it is? <laughs> <laughs> you have to earn it, okay? That's <laughs> great. We have to earn it together. It's deflated
3: uh-huh. balloons come out when you open it. Oh, it's been up there for a while, I
0: guess. Sorry. <laughs> I think this would be a, a great opportunity to take a, a short rest. Yeah, let's what do, do
2: that. And then I got a couple other points to bring up. Totally.
0: Okay. All right. Let's take a short quick break. Time. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash DungeonCast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash DungeonCast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DungeonCast.
4: Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.
2: We've returned. Indeed, we
0: have. We're fucking back with Jordan. Indeed, we are. (laughs) The pH is not silent in fucking... No, no, it's, no. Not. it's not even present.
3: So that's <laughs> amazing how the sound got in there, but the glitters. That's I know. Jordan, why
2: don't you tell our audience about uh, yourself, what you do, and where they can find your stuff.
3: Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Jordan with a silent PH. So that's J-O-R-P-H-D-A-N. And you can find me on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Jordan. I'm actually Jordan with a PH in the middle on all the social medias, mostly, except I'm not on TikTok yet. I guess I should. I don't know. I don't TikTok yet.
2: Yeah. But that's either. a whole
3: can of worms. <laughs> I don't know. It sure is. <laughs> um, but I primarily am known for making uh, lore videos on the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons. So if you like Planescape, if you like Forgotten Realms, if you like Ravenloft, I've got a whole bunch of videos on those settings and like demon lords and villains if you ever wanted to know who Vecna was. Uh, and they're fun. I just I like the the lore and the mythology of D&D. So I started reading a lot and then realized that this could be a resource for a lot of dungeon masters out there. Absolutely, so it is. Him. It's yep. actually
0: a resource uh, for this show in yep. a way. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, because yeah. we, we like to do the lore stuff too, and uh, and Will will mainly write all the the episode stuff and all the lore. He'll go do all the research, uh, but every once in a while, I'll take the reins on that. Um for, for something special and for the Dagan episode I actually watched one of your videos to g- like oh, get cool. ready for it. I was <laughs> like, Oh nice. sick. Like, is there anything I missed or like whatever? And I found some cool stuff in there. I was like, Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I watched this video. It was it was very good. It was well done. Yes, very much yeah, so. Thanks. Yeah, so we. Yeah, we I was didn't.
3: listening to, because uh, I I, I, knew, I knew about you guys, but I didn't listen to your podcast as regularly. Um, but then I was like, oh, I should probably check it out if I'm going to be on the show. And so I listened to your Sigil episode and I was like, oh, that's cool, except they keep saying Sigil. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I got to yell at them for that.
2: That's true. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> we did, get yelled at for it.
3: We get yelled at for pronunciation. Yeah, stuff pronunciation all
2: the time. on the show. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. There,
0: somebody's tried to explain it by saying it's like Seagull. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That one didn't yeah. quite land. Yeah, for me, <laughs> sorry, YouTube commenter. That's too funny. And, um, yeah, I
2: would always, I always like to recommend any of our Demon Lord episodes. Those are always the most fun and the most wild.
3: Yeah, they're they're um, fun. Um, but enough
2: about us. Is there anything else you want to share, Jordan?
3: <laughs> oh uh, yeah, so I have a second channel because I I love all things RPGs, and uh, it's called uh, Jordan's Jocular Junction. So you can search for that, um, and that is me reviewing other rpgs that are not D, so basically anything that's not D. so there's a lot of dungeon crawl classic stuff on there because that's a game that i love and i play um and then my friend lex and i have been doing little itch.io games that we find rpgs that we find um that are like usually one or two pages but they're they got some interesting kind of design behind them and so we'll we'll talk about that um and then uh, we're going to start doing some live plays here in March, which will be fun of uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics and other systems and throw it up there. So super like cool. old school essentials, a lot of fun stuff. So yeah, if you're interested in non D stuff, which you should be, because there's a lot of great games out there, then uh, check that one out too. And you can yeah. find, uh, if you're ever like, where do I find Jordan? Just go to uh, Jordan with a ph in the middle.com. So J O R P H D A com, And I'm there and you can find links to all my stuff. Heck yeah, yeah, and they'll they'll be there'll be links down below uh, in the notes for this
0: episode as well. So go check out check them out. It's good stuff. Like we said, we've we've been on the channel. So yeah, yeah.
2: Awesome. All right, guys, we ready to get back into it? Let's talk about some more of our GM tips and tricks.
3: I think so. I uh, think so. Jordan,
2: you said you wrote down a couple things. Do You want to share one?
3: Uh, yeah. So one of the big ones that's actually helped me with DMing in general is like playing other games. So it's kind of a oh. fun segue because we were just talking about it. But there we go. Um. Uh, And a couple come to mind is like I played a game that I love called Kids on Bikes, and it's like uh, it's kind of like Stranger Things, the game you play kids in the 80s and then something weird's going on in the town. But something that I really love about it is built into that system is before you play everyone at the table gets to build the city together. So you say like what's your mascot in high school or what's this or what's creepy about the town and it can really kind of change the direction of where you're taking the story. Um and so in D&D I like to use that and I I heard Keith Baker who uh he creator of Eberron I heard him do this a couple times too where you have uh, a scene and you you lay it all out and in his example he was like yeah you find these uh these interesting dolls made out of grass they're like tied together and things like that and they're scattered all about but then you ask the player but what's one odd thing about this? And then the player gets to add something. And in Keith's example, it was like they have their eyes stitched shut. And it was Ooh. like, oh, what the? Oh. And so everyone, that, that changed the whole campaign in the sense that like, all of the cultists would have like, sewn eyes shut and stuff like that to just add like, a weird level of creepiness. But the players really feel involved. And they'll remember that because they gave you that suggestion. Mm-hmm. And I've even had pl- stuff at the table where I'll say something and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, but their coat is red. Right. Because we established that they only wear coats dyed in the blood of so and so. And you're like, thank you. Yes, their coat is red. <laughs> yes. blood, yeah, got <laughs> it. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Something that I like that's to really do a lot cool. is
3: have, have the players help me build the world and it can be a little uh if you're if you don't like to give up creative control it can be a little difficult but i think the collaboration is why you probably play a lot of D. you know yeah, so. absolutely yeah, i love the definitely. concept
0: of having everybody working together on the story and mm. and it does exactly what you said it lends to like they have a they have a hand on the ball you know mm-hmm. they they feel like a part of it and and that's i think that's really important i don't just want it to be my thing we're all playing this thing together like Let's game. use our own colors. And,
2: yeah, and yeah, absolutely. You know the thing you 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 said when you talked about the game, kids on bikes and building the town. That reminds me of a game that Brian actually found called uh, the Quiet Year.
0: Yeah, by Avery Alder. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that game, yes. and it's exactly that. It's a, exactly a map making game that you you and you know four or five people or whatever sit down and take about four hours. It Includes explaining the rules. You just go off this PDF and you play with a, a deck of bicycle cards, a whiteboard, and some markers. And you all take turns drawing things on the map that you add and like basically discussing the parameters of like what this po- post apocalyptic society is doing.
2: Yeah. There, you know, yeah. it's a really um, cool way to kind of build your world yeah. collaboratively speaking.
0: And uh, friends at the table actually, in an actual play show, they play, that's how I found it. They played the quiet year and then built a map. And then played a game of Blades in the Dark in that world, fast forwarded 100 years or something like that. So the city develops a little more, you know, from this post apocalyptic <clears> thing <throat> more to this social structure yeah. that they were going for. But they, yeah, I, I've done that for a game before where we, we quiet year up uh, a map to play in. Yeah. And, like these events happen and, and you can have as much influence on on the direction of that on your turn as you like. But the thing is, like, it's, it's a messy game, there's gonna it be is. a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so everyone's going to have their own ideas, like ideas get put on the map and then forgotten about and, but everybody's participating and everybody is, is involved and feeling involved and the cards will prompt you to make things happen that like bring interest to the game. And uh, I think, I think that was really fun. Yeah.
2: And you're no, not
3: explaining uh, yeah. sure, right. lore to them later. You're not trying to be like, okay, I know you didn't read my like seven page document <laughs> on the history of my world because they were there building it. So there's yeah, like an yeah. intrinsic like, oh yeah, my character grew up and I know that that lake is, you know, like haunted and it's actually like some weird acidic lake, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they helped to build that. And I like that a lot. It's, yeah. that's a fun, fun game, fun, fun system.
2: hmm. Yeah. You know, Kind of tying into to this idea of like literally building the world, co- world collaboratively, collaboratively together, um, a, a major thing that I tend to do is I make it a point that no matter what the player's backstory, it needs to be imper- important and it needs to tie into whatever the main story I'm trying to create. Yeah. So whatever the main idea behind my campaign, um, I make sure that it's malleable enough to snugly fit in the personal hooks for each player. Um, for example, like uh, is... Uh, is there a character with like a god or a patron? You know, a warlock or a cleric. Try to work that god or patron's personal goals, religious order, or or challenge the players in a philosophical, religious way that involves their backstory. Um, is there a quest for revenge, a search for an answer, a lost loved one? Tie that thing into the main plot and have its resolution point point deeper into the plot that you that you had in mind in the first place. Mm-hmm. Basically, make sure all your players' characters have a personal reason to to give a damn about. You know, the story beyond the simple, well, I guess it's what I need to do. I like you know? money. Yeah, yeah. or greed yeah. or whatever. You know, get them personally involved. I also want to save my grandma. Yeah. You know, plus it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. plus uh, people spend time on their backstories uh, and those backstories are, are personal and important to them. So, you know, why not tie it in?
0: Yeah, if a player put effort into it, I'm going to work to include it organically into the game. Yeah. That's- just,
2: I really like to have players.
3: Uh, well, nowadays when I'm run D and try to get the players to make like three kind of character ideas. Don't like, mm. don't like get solidified to them. And then when we get together, I want to do character creation together because mm. then they'll be mm. like, oh, okay, well, if you're going to be a cleric, then like, I won't be a cleric, but I'll do this, but maybe I'm your brother. And you're like, oh yeah, we could be siblings. And, <laughs> there we go. and it really helps tie the party together too.
2: Excellent so. idea. That's an excellent idea. Yeah.
3: I, I like being,
0: uh, <clears throat> I think. For Super Quest Omega, it was a game we were going to run uh, th- that five E game I was talking about. Um, still going to run it one day for sure. But the um, the idea there was to be super involved with everybody's character creation to like incorporate those things in. So we had like lots of calls before the game even started about <laughs> like who's going to be what and blah blah blah. And we prepped for a long time, and those things changed along the way. But I I really like where we landed because of that. It made yeah. like everybody feel like it made me feel connected to my players you know as we're starting the game so it didn't take a few games to like get into the rhythm of knowing who's who and and things like that you kind of just know what to expect the first game you sit down and and that that lends to like people want to show up to this game and they're invested you know yeah definitely less scheduling errors like that that's true that's very true (laughs) people have stakes in it
2: so i have i have one more here um And this one is a little bit more like outside of the game itself, you know, in a way, um, over my years of DMing and jamming, I've learned that it's, it's very important and, and kind of my responsibility as, as the game master to pay attention to all the players at the table uh, especially the less assertive ones so sometimes players can be shy or maybe they're just naturally quiet or slow to insert themselves into a situation Um, if everyone has been taking actions making chance uh, making checks or rping, but one or two of your players have been passive for a while take it upon yourself as a gm to pause check in with their character give them a moment dedicated to only them to do a thing you know like make sure everyone's got a turn because outside of uh combat there there's no turn order right so it's your your job as the gm to to referee that make sure everyone's getting a getting a say in
0: yeah i i like i always think about it when i'm reading a book and the scene is being set and these five characters are in the room together i'm gonna be kind of weirded out if they're just two or three of them talking i'm like well why are these characters here you know or like in a movie if there's a room full of people but like The scene is clearly like we want to focus in on on these group of people, but only a couple of them are interacting. They look kind of weird. They're just like standing like, hey, what's your character doing in this moment? Like everybody's chatting. Are you you're just not standing around? Right. Like what's going on? Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's how I'll insert is like, hey, what this is like while that conversation is happening, what are you doing? Yeah, make sure we focus in and zoom in on on somebody if they're not participating in the conversation yeah it's
3: kind of difficult because certain players don't want to role play and the, and they or mm. i shouldn't say roleplay but like i don't want to be part of this conversation for some reason because i i've definitely had players that just want to hit things and <laughs> right. that's yeah. not that's not a bad play style that's just like what they want to do and so a lot of times i'll ask them you know while the conversation is happening you you turn to that one player like how does like rogu the barbarian feel about that or something and they're like oh well i think i'd be angry and it's like and then you turn back and you're like your friend over there looks really angry and you can kind of work that in
2: yeah, yeah that's good yeah, that's,
4: yeah, that's or good.
3: it's nice to be uh okay. if you if you know you're going to plan something weird um it's good to be like okay they're having a conversation and then you turn to you know the player that's not really participating and you're like you see some really occult looking books on this guy's shelf like Oh well, can I steal one? Yeah, he's pretty distracted right now, and it's like then they could get more information, and that person feels like they did something when really they didn't do anything. You just said, "Hey, this is what you see."
0: Well,
3: <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. have to roll for it. No, you're good. It's it lends
0: to, it lends to the scene, though. You know, like yeah. they they were being interactive, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. with conversation, and I think and it's
3: including that, them, yeah, and so yeah, that that's a, a lot of thing. value.
0: Uh, I like. I I was gonna say like if somebody is, you know rhythmically quiet throughout multiple games i'm gonna come up with something for them to do all the time you know right like right apply a dark passenger to their their spirit or yeah. something like that you know yeah, give right. them a cursed sword that will talk to them right. so that like we can have some sort of
4: who oh, is that this char- would be fun we, we have to develop like this all. character
0: somehow right like so if you're not going to talk with your party members then i'm going to give you something to talk to
3: and and we're gonna so while out everyone's you talking there. you're like Hey, the sword is like, hey, yeah, hey, you want to go kill that guy? Exactly, <laughs> no, yeah. sword, like, it's fun, yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, man, you just look like you're always having some kind of internal conflict. It's his fucking sword, man. What? <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing. No, just, I really oh, want to just practice with my sword.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's it's something classic. about a sword? No, I'm bored. I'm just... Uh, yeah, it's
0: <laughs> yeah, something like that. I mean, to get everybody... I, engaged. It, it's hard be, when engaged. you're sitting there and there are a bunch of people talking and then... That guy's chilling and, oh, there's the phone. It came out of the pocket. Uh, and now yeah. they're just yeah. like waiting yeah, for yeah, the next thing. Like, ah, okay, we got to like, that's a, always when the phone gets brought up, you know, and they're chilling. I'm like, okay, it's time to hit the gas. See yeah. what we got to do next. A lot of times
3: when I see players who are on their phone and stuff, uh, I think the cure for that is like, you need to DM a game. Like maybe you just shouldn't be yeah, because all yeah. of a sudden they are more engaged and they're like, Oh, there's lots to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And cause I'll be admit, like I like DMing more than I like playing. Same. Playing's fine and stuff, but I get bored sometimes, but it's like, like I look at those people and I'm like, I think you just need to learn. You just need to run a game and
2: you'll discover like, Oh, like, yeah, there's a lot think, more to this. So. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Well,
0: what's your guys's advice for a first time GM? I think that would probably Ooh, be one of my bullet points. Okay. Cause I, I sort of just sort of jumped into, Uh, a game will was running and Mm -hmm. did like a side quest pretty much. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it gave me a taste of like, okay, I'd seen like seven to 10 games played. I was like, okay, I think I could do this. So I wrote like a little mini adventure where this, this, and this needed to happen. And I, I got my puzzle rooms together. I was like, okay, this should keep us busy for, you know, a while. Um, I never, you know, when you're first starting, Dude, you
1: I don't totally know how long things are going to
2: take, really. That. I remember that now. That was a long time ago. Yeah,
0: and yeah. then we just went <laughs> right back to playing the original game, and yeah. it, w- it was cool. It gave me a, it gave me my first taste and, like, let me, like, think about what I would do for a more long-form event, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So I guess mine would be run run a one-shot, start small, break it into a small task, like, run a one-shot, get a feel for the mechanics from that that seat, and, like, take a look at... You know, pacing, how long things are going to take and how to keep people busy. I think that's that's a good one for me.
2: Yeah, that is, that is a good one. Do you have one, Jordan? Because I'm struggling to come up with one off the top of my head.
3: You know, uh, a couple things, I guess, is it can be kind of intimidating if uh, like if if I was your DM and I ran a bunch of stuff and you're like, oh, man, this is so cool. Uh, I want to run a game and then I'm your player. You're probably like, am I doing this right? Is yeah. Jordan judging me, you know? Mm-hmm. So finding other people that haven't played that won't judge you or doing a different system, which can be intimidating in itself. But like, if Jordan doesn't know the system, uh, it's more lenient for you to be making mistakes. And I shouldn't even call them mistakes. Cause it's just like, you just don't know yet. Like you're, yeah. you're figuring it out and that time. So uh, like, I have friends that won't run the forgotten realms for me because they're intimidated. They're just like, well, Jordan knows too much. And it's like, well, I do, but like, I still won't play in it. And it's like, well, I'll run this instead. I'm like, okay. So, uh, and then I think the biggest thing is just like being okay with yourself to fail or to feel like a failure. Mm. Because the first time I DM'd, I remember my friends went home and I was like, they didn't have any fun. Boy, I I was awful. I did this wrong. I should have never said why, why? And you're just overthinking it. And my friends later, uh because my wife was like yeah jordan's kind of down on himself he like talked to talked to my or she talked to my friends for me and they're like we had a blast like what are you doing like it was fine (laughs) we we drank beer and we played a game like who cares and i was like oh okay so just you know it's not not the end of the world and we're Mm -hmm. not all matt mercer we're not all yeah you know chris perkins in the world like just Give yourself like it's okay to suck I guess
2: <laughs> yeah yeah don't yeah. don't be don't be afraid to fail that was gonna be mine too yeah you're you're gonna make a million mistakes but that's okay like everyone's just there to have a good time um and you're only gonna get better as you do this like like with anything so you know the, fir- the first step at being kind of good at something is sucking at something so yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> there, there are gonna be areas like if you have the creative drive and the passion to like even want to step up to the plate on this one then you're going to do something right like mm-hmm. you're going to do a, more than a, a handful of things right i'm sure and there are going to be things that are lacking but yes give yourself the space to learn from from that so that when you run it the next time and and that's the trick right like give yourself that grace to to be okay to do it again because yeah. the second time you run it you're going to know where your shortcomings were and you probably <clears throat> tightened everything up and let's see how this game is going to go. And then eventually you're just dungeon mastering or game mastering, And you are are a game master now and you're doing it. Um, I I think lore videos are fucking awesome to get people inspired to GM. Mm -hmm. Um, They can give you that plot hook, like that, that end piece, you know, like, Oh, uh, Dagon is so cool. How can I have a campaign where Dagon is involved? And it's not just like a warlock. It's like this, we're going to go like fuck around and, the realm of Dagon yeah, or whatever it is you know? for sure yeah um so that can be cool if you're if you're like oh yeah I would love to run a game but about what you know mm-hmm. go go watch That's some videos true. go to Jordan's channel and like figure out what's going on there I would and say
3: you- pick a pick a movie or a movie type that you like so if you're just like Ooh, man yeah. I love Indiana Jones it's like well then run an Indiana Jones adventure like Like, really look at it and be like, I think exploring crypts and stuff is cool. Like, if you're passionate about it, the the players are probably going to be like, oh, this is cool, you know? But if you Mm -hmm. want to do like a Cthulhu type thing, it's like, okay, yeah, I really like this. So uh, I always like, I had a friend who wanted to DM and then they just really like horror movies. And we ended up playing, like, it was fifth edition, but it was like, we were all camp Kids and there was a murderer. You know, it's Friday the Thirteenth, and but it was fun. It was like, oh, this is cool. cool. It's a weird mystery. We're trying to figure out how people are getting murdered, and it was a one shot, so everyone was kind of going along with it. Yeah,
0: I I played in a powered by game that was just like that, where it kind of had Friday the (laughs) Thirteenth vibes, but the bad guy at the end was David S. Pumpkins. And he was like dancing and stuff. I don't know if you guys know yes. David S. Pumpkins, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who that is. Was I really was in for
3: Halloween a couple years ago. It's fun. They uh, they made me watch
0: a video about David S. Pumpkins before we started playing, oh, okay. so I would like so be informed. familiar with what happens in That's the hilarious. game. Like, so it'd be meaningful. Does to the me? S
3: stand for Slenderman? David Slenderman Pumpkins.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like we had that conversation in the game too. Like, what is the awesome. S about? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun though. That's um, I think I had a guy that did like. He had like a ghost inside of him, and he's doing like big ghost Hadoukens and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was fun.
2: You know, I wanted to kind of go back and add a little bit to the if you're intimidated for running a game because your DM's in it. If you are if you're running a game uh for your DM and your DM is like always the DM he, they're the fre- forever DM trust me they're just thrilled to be able to play cuz they almost never yeah. get to do that so That's, don't even worry about it
0: like 95% probably true yes
2: for, don't yeah. even worry about it they yeah. just have to be here
0: yeah will got a break when I when I took over it ended up being more than a one shot it was like two or three games i can't mm-hmm. remember and then mm-hmm. it was just like yeah cool It's given time and space to write the next portion of whatever we're doing yeah, yeah. so yeah so fun. You're still playing D D, right? The the mechanics can carry you if you That's true. if you let them. Yeah.
2: All right, guys. Well, I mean, I thought I th- I hope that was helpful. I feel like we were helpful to the audience. What do you guys think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like some of the stuff. Gotta wait draw- for
3: those comments to come in. Oh yeah, most helpful <laughs> video ever. You I know. know seriously. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe
0: we should give some direction to the people with itchy uh, itchy keyboard fingers. Since uh, please comment uh, your favorite tips and tricks if you yeah, have something definitely. that help people get into being a GM or like things for existing GMs that will. Aid in their endeavors. Uh, Yeah, leave a comment down below. That'd be that'd be awesome. Um, And definitely go check out Jordan's stuff. Jordan, you want to plug again?
3: Uh, Yeah. So just uh, uh, Jordan with a silent ph. You can search me on YouTube. That's where I'm most known. But uh, like I said, I'm Jordan with a silent ph on all the social medias. So follow me on Instagram and see pictures of my cat. It's awesome. (laughs) How cool? Heck yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, I did. uh, There was a meme that you put. I do follow you on there on Instagram. Uh, I forgot what the last story you posted was. I remember laughing my ass off. Damn it. Oh, was it the Patton Oswald? Or... Yes, Patton Oswald yeah. was responsible for like, uh, what was it?
3: I don't I'm... even know. I saw I saw something, but apparently there was a a trend on Super Bowl Sunday about like showing off your your queso dip, and on Twitter or something. And so he yeah. took a picture of the deities and demagogues, uh, Errol Otis. Uh, Picture of the abyss, and it's like this bubbling, like awful thing, like weird tentacles. And he's like, "Hey everyone, my queso dip." But uh, (laughs) for some reason, Fox News captioned it and was trying to make fun of Pat Oswald. And so he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm responsible for." the 1978 deities and demigods picture being up on Fox news. Just so you guys know, I thought That's it was hilarious. awesome. <laughs> it so was really funny. fucking funny. Oh, I, man, I gotta time. check
2: that out. That's too funny. Yeah. All right, Jordan. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And I think thanks we're for having get, me. Yeah, of course. Uh, we're going to get ready for a long rest. Let's do it.
0: Uh, we don't do those on interviews. We shows, don't do so those this anymore. Is, this is, this that is was, actually
2: end. There's no long rest.
0: That was the long rest.
2: This we campaign has ended. We
0: didn't cut. We didn't cut for it. We just did it. <laughs> now we're here, and it's the end of the episode. It so did, we're going to call just, it a game.
2: We're going to call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later.
0: Bye.
4: <laughs> the Dungeon.